From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good afternoon and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, the criticism from the left continued over the weekend of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and the draft report released by the Commission on Unalienable Rights last week. The reaction of the left is telling, and it is instructive of their view of these God-given rights, which they do not see coming from God. They see these rights as man-made, man-determined, as uh, two associates of the uber-left Center for American Progress wrote for the Washington Post this weekend, quote, rights belong to people, not to governments, and ultimately people will demand that they be respected. For evidence of that right now, one only need look to the streets of the United States, end quote. Following the release of the report, I hosted Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on a conference call with pastors across the United States to discuss the report, its purpose, and how it might instruct U.S. foreign policy. I'm going to share that conversation with you. And then Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy here at the Family Research Council, will join me to explore further the left's unhinged reaction to the report and what this tells us about the urgency of teaching our children and our churches about the source and significance of these unalienable rights. We are uh, we're, we're blessed in this country to have leaders that are leading from a position of strength based upon their faith and based upon the founding principles of this country. And tonight we're going to be joined by one of those leaders. And just to set the stage for our conversation, uh, just a little over a year ago, on July 8th of 2019, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced the formation of an independent, nonpartisan advisory body, the Commission on Inalienable Rights. Now, anytime a controversy surrounds the announcement of something, you take note because it means it really has consequence. Uh, and, and this is one of those f- fundamental um, undertakings that will far exceed the life of this administration in the work that was done. The commission's charge, as stated in its charter, was not to discover new principles, but to furnish advice to the secretary for the promotion of individual liberty, human equality, and democracy through U.S. foreign policy. In short, the mission was kind of to dust off and rediscover America's founding principles by providing a framework that would connect today's foreign policy to these principles that forever change the world. Now, earlier today in Philadelphia, where the process of founding this nation began 244 years ago. Secretary Pompeo and the commission released a draft of their report. And uh, as as the former chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, I, I have seen firsthand the importance of America's promotion of the fundamental human right of religious freedom and its impact upon foreign governments. But I also know that we what we've been witnessing here at home in recent weeks suggests that we as a nation may be losing a basic understanding and appreciation for these founding principles, which makes the importance of Secretary Pompeo's vision all the more critical in this hour. Secretary Pompeo is a graduate of West Point. He served as an officer in the United States Army before going to Harvard Law School, distinguishing himself there. Then he entered into a successful business career. And then in 2011, he was uh, elected as a member of Congress from the state of Kansas, and that's where we first met. Uh, Prior to becoming Secretary of State, Mike served as the director of the CIA under President Trump. Uh, He is a leader, 
what you see publicly is what you will see privately. Uh, his faith, as he has publicly said, guides him, and he is not ashamed of his faith. Uh, and I think that's what makes him so effective as uh, America's number one diplomat. And so with that, I'd like to welcome to our call tonight uh, Secretary Pompeo. Secretary, welcome. Tony, thanks for having me here. And Romero, thank you for that prayer. Much appreciated. Well, Secretary, before we jump into the why, why this is so timely and so important that we rediscover these founding principles and connect them to our foreign policy, let's start with the what. Explain to our pastors that are joining us from across the country tonight, the the Commission on Unalienable Rights and its work. So I think you described it pretty well. I I came to be Secretary of State and recognized that it was important. We have uh, 25,000 people around the world, and they are constantly being bombarded with demands for assistance, and uh, we want to provide uh, guidance to them about how to better the life of their people all the while securing uh, our freedoms here in America. And I watched as it was, we were, we didn't have good language and there was this proliferation of rights and we weren't deeply grounded. And so I'd seen this before uh, when I was uh, a soldier, I'd, I'd seen how important it was for people to understand uh, our history, America's history. And so I, I set about to think about how to do it and, and ultimately came upon the idea of creating a commission chaired by a woman named Professor Marianne Glennon. She's a former U.S. ambassador to the Vatican and someone I had known for 25-plus uh, years. And the mission set was, as you described, it was to take these blessings that have been stowed upon us here in America, our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, and remind everyone, reground us all, in the nature of these unalienable rights about which those founders spoke. Those, those documents are a blessing and a gift. And you, you see in the streets today, you see people who have, who have come to think of those documents as very different from what I, I know they are and what the report has concluded that they are. What you, what you see is uh, this deep, rich understanding of the fact that these rights come from God, not from governments, and that, in fact, it is the responsibility of governments to secure those freedoms and those rights for each and every citizen here. And it is not that America gets it right every day, um, but it is that we work at it, and the structure of our founding creates a trend towards a more perfect union, one that after 244 years now, I can say we are well on our way to. And then I wanted to make sure everybody understood how that applied, how our team would take that founding, that that central understanding about the American tradition of rights and the American understanding of how one secures freedoms and use that as we tried to assist uh, people all around the world where we deal with nations who are of different faiths and different faith traditions and who come from very different backgrounds and sovereignty that is established under very different circumstances than America's and help them have this guide star uh, as they were talking about how to preserve life and liberty and happiness all around the world. I want to go to the to probe the why. I mean, I know you've laid out some of that, but uh, Professor Glendon, I watched the, uh, the. I wasn't able to be with you in Philadelphia today, but I watched the the presentation and the exchange, and, and she kind of asked why. I mean, I know of a, a little bit about your schedule. I've worked with you on a number of projects. You're extremely busy. There's more coming at you than uh, you have time to deal with. And I also know the controversy, and you knew the controversy surrounding this just by broaching the topic. So what's the underlying why? I mean, why now is this so important? 
believed when I began this commission and chartered it, and I, I'm now even more firmly convinced of this, that we, we can't be that beacon to the world without a central understanding of why it is America is so exceptional, what is so unique, both both singular and special about the United States. And so wanted to remind us all at that history and how it relates to uh, our Declaration of Independence as a right as a foreign policy document where we were breaking away from British tyranny. I wanted to uh, revisit that and reground it. We'd we'd stepped away from it. It's the kind of thing, Tony, that if people don't think about and focus on now, decades on, uh, you can you can lose your way and you can come to be confused. And I wanted to. It's a real priority. Well, your, your point is well taken. There are complex security issues. There's complex economic issues that I deal with every day. But we need a mooring for our actions. We need to, when times are difficult and circumstances are complex, we need to have a baseline, a bedrock upon which to build. And I was hopeful that the commission would present us uh, those principles. And I'm, I'm confident that while I, I don't agree with everything that's in the report, it, it does indeed accomplish the mission that I asked them to undertake. I think you made reference to this in your comments in the unveiling in Philadelphia um, that America's tethered, tethering to these principles, the, the standing upon these principles, is what gives America its authority and its leadership role internationally. And if we lose those principles, what impact does that have on our ability to influence the direction of the rest of the world? That's a really important question, and, and the report addresses this too. Uh, you've seen this. As you've traveled around the world and met with uh, religious leaders around the world and governmental leaders and business leaders and private citizens, you've seen this. This nation, uh, that people are desirous of interacting with America. They want to understand how it's been that we've been successful. And I don't mean that by wealthy. I mean that by successful at creating uh, a civic virtue and a, a civilization uh, that is unequal. And they, and they want to understand if we lose that, or cannot articulate it because we don't have a depth of understanding about it, the, the power, the force of our admonitions and our requests and our prayers for those peoples all around the world will be diminished. And so we have a responsibility to make sure that we have as a, a first matter an understanding of how it is and why it is we secure our own freedoms so that we can go around the world and try and raise up and create more religious liberty, more people who have the capacity to exercise their faith in the way that they choose, and to exercise all of the unalienable rights that the Lord has given not only Americans, but everyone all around the world. How do we, and, and you talked about part of this is the educational process, when I say we, and I mean as individuals, as pastors, you're talking to pastors from across the country right now, as pastors, how do we keep these fundamental foundational principles from being covered by the passage and distortion of time? Uh, it's a great question. So there's another piece of the report that I, I haven't spoken to yet, and it, it gets to not only these uh, rights that we secure, but it gets to the civic virtues, the Republican, small r republicanism uh, of our nation, and it's our institutions, and I believe this, and I'm sure many of you on this call believe this too, it is, in fact, our institutions of faith. This is why religious liberty matters, right? It's, it's one thing to have it, but then what is the, what is the effect of it? What is the, what is the follow-on follow benefits to people? And I, I believe deeply that nations with more religious freedom are much more likely to be successful in 
honor the human dignity of of every individual simply because they're made in the image of God. And so I think as faith leaders, it is useful for you to remind those with whom you interact of the American tradition that we are, in fact, a nation founded on that very special Judeo-Christian tradition, and our founding documents express this capacity for America to be regenerative and to uh, secure freedoms across time and space, and that we should never forget uh, what they, what the founders left for us and our responsibility uh, in our civic lives, in our roles as uh, teachers and friends and uh, fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and kids, uh, our, our responsibility to, to build on that civic virtue, the, the seedbeds of American greatness uh, with these central ideas of human dignity and unalienable rights at their very core. You're listening to a special conversation that I held last week with the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, and pastors from around the country on the release of the draft report of the Commission on Unalienable Rights. It's a very important document as it lays the foundation, actually goes back, uncovers the foundation for the purpose and the source, rather, I should say, of the rights that we promote in our foreign policy and even in our domestic policy. We're going to continue that conversation on the other side of this break. And then a little bit later, Travis Weber is going to be joining me because we're going to delve deeper into why the left is so rabid in their opposition to this report. That and more coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. Don't go away. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Absent fathers, distracted fathers, and angry fathers have created a vacuum of the soul in the lives of many children. Pornography is epidemic, affecting the male brain, isolating his heart, and degrading women who long to be cherished. Confusion and even skepticism about marriage run rampant, especially in our younger generations. Selfishness among men has led to broken homes and a trail littered with broken hearts, including their own. Where can you turn to find the solutions to these problems? Leadership and Love, A Tale of Two Fathers is a new publication from Family Research Council that takes a look at two men, Joshua and the father of the prodigal son, as strong examples of leadership and love. It also weaves in an understanding of attachment science to underscore the needs of children which need to be met to become emotionally healthy and spiritually strong. Visit frc.org fathers to learn more. In today's culture, it can be difficult.
Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. You're listening to a conversation that I hosted last week with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and pastors from across the country discussing the draft report of the Unalienable Rights Commission. We're going to pick that conversation back up right here. You made reference today to uh, to China, to Hong Kong. Uh, how are we responding based upon this understanding of these foundational rights to what is transpiring right now in Hong Kong? So we are doing several things. First, uh, we always have a responsibility uh, to speak the truth about them. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, the previous administration, and indeed prior to that time, this isn't partisan, uh, often uh, subsumed these central understandings about rights inside of China and was prepared to allow for this to continue because there were real true economic opportunities and um, I think they got the mix wrong. And so what you see in the State Department today is we are speaking about this. We've seen the White House speak about this. Uh, we've now encouraged Congress and they have passed uh, not one but two laws, one about Hong Kong, one about the impact on Uyghurs and Turkic Muslims and other faiths inside of China that are suffering from some of the most horrific human rights violations in uh, goodness, yeah, certainly in this century, uh, and we're calling it out. We're responding by imposing costs on China, encourage them to change their ways, and then we also have outreach uh, from the State Department through lots of mechanisms, including our our Human Rights Department, uh, talking to faith leaders and community leaders all across the country, the Catholic Church in China, uh, Christian house churches inside of China, trying to reach those leaders, providing them as much support as uh, we possibly can. There are, there are lots of ways we're trying to help. Uh, as I said today in my remarks, we're not going to be able to fix this everywhere and always and for all time. We simply have a responsibility as part of our foreign policy profile to make sure it's a focus among others that our department is engaged in. Well said. We have to do what we can where we are you know, with what we have. Uh, by the way, uh, pastors, if you'd like to see the report, I'll make it easy for you. It's at TonyPerkins.com. We have it posted there, and you can uh, see the report. During the conversation with pastors, one of the pastors asked the secretary if he had ever considered using pastors to speak to world leaders about various issues, helping them to understand that the success of a nation, especially our nation, started with God and our religious freedom. So we've done some of that, but not nearly enough. It's very powerful. I, I know, Tony, you've done this uh, in the Middle East some, and I'm guessing some places around the world and in your role um, at USERF, uh, but it's very powerful. Uh, we, we have absolutely engaged in that. We've also brought people to the State Department. We have now twice been able to uh, deliver huge human rights, religious freedom ministerials where we bring in, I think we had 75 or 80 countries last time, many people from all across the faith community where they came to Washington, they came to the State Department, and we spent uh, two and a half days talking about this very set of issues about uh, God and God's central role and his transcendent role and our, our success here in America, why it made America so special. Uh, I would encourage all of you to uh, engage uh, to the extent you have the time and the capacity to, to talk to leaders, and not just not just presidents and uh, senior leaders, but uh, people who are leading churches in these places, people who are leading uh, small businesses and communities, mayors and people who are uh, governors in uh, states where this doesn't exist, their, their exposure 
to uh, faith leaders from the United States of America and, and describing to them precisely as you said how it fits into the American tradition of rights and the American faith tradition is incredibly powerful, often more powerful than them hearing from a diplomat or a secretary of state. So I would encourage that. We we have a couple of programs that provide assistance for that, uh, and we'd be happy to talk to any of you if it's something that's of interest to you at a particular place where you thought the Lord was calling you to go. We'd be happy to see if we couldn't facilitate your opportunity to make that kind of engagement. I, I personally believe it's very powerful. In the midst of the conversation with pastors, one pastor asked the secretary what he thought it might take to get pastors to be more open about speaking to issues of government. When I was a member of Congress, I met with religious leaders, pastors all the time. I loved to have them in my office. I loved to hear from them. They had a good sense of what was going on in the community, and they always provided me with real uh, real insights. Uh, there is a responsibility, I think, as a religious leader uh, to shine a light. You described covering it up, to shine that light, to speak to uh, uh, leaders, civic leaders, uh, not only those that are elected officials, but those who are, are doing work in our schools and uh, all across the world, to, to bring our religious understandings into these civic institutions. It is, it, it's not an option. It is an imperative that they do if, if, we, if we don't. You can see you can see what's happened on our streets over these past months. You can see what happens when secularism grants too much power. You can see what happens in our universities today. Uh, I would I would encourage each of you to take some small part of your time and make this part of your mission to engage with civic leaders, uh, civic institutions, political leaders, elected officials, uh, those who are working in uh, government bureaucracies. And just walk alongside them and share your view and your faith and the criticalness of bringing faith into those institutions. It is, uh, I, I know it has been frowned upon. I know there are those who talk about this wall between church and state. We need to shine our light everywhere that we can. The, the America will be better for those efforts if each of you can undertake that. It's just a small piece of what you choose to do with your time. You have been listening to a special conversation that I hosted last week with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and pastors from across the nation discussing the draft report of the Commission on Unalienable Rights. The uh, the left has reacted uh, with tremendous hostility to this report, which is instructive, and we're going to talk more about that a little bit later on Washington Watch, Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs, is going to join me uh, to uh, to talk about why the left is so hostile to rediscovering the bedrock of these unalienable rights. We're going to talk about that. If you'd like to see a copy of the report, you can go to TonyPerkins.com. It's posted right there on the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, don't go away. We're going to continue our conversation with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo right on the other side of this break. Don't go away. We're back right after this.
Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. We're listening to a conversation that I hosted last week with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and pastors from across the country. And uh, one of the questions the pastors asked uh, was about the issue of Israel, the Palestinians, and the West Bank. I spent a fair amount of time in the West Bank, mostly, frankly, when I was a CIA director. Uh, and so got to know the leaders in the Palestinian Authority. And I'll, I'll, I'll start with this. It has been disappointing for me to see their unwillingness to engage with the Israelis. To, to get to your point about how it is we're going to make lives better for the Palestinian people and preserve their unalienable rights, which they deserve as do each of us, um, it, it's the case that they, they have to find that leadership has to be brave and bold and be prepared to at least dialogue and have the conversation. It's a complex problem set. Uh, I appreciate that, but it can't be the case that when met with opportunity, the response is to threaten violence or to, uh, to, to do harm to the opportunity and the space. And President Trump, in our, our, our layout of the vision for peace, uh, very much urged that. We have been hoping we would get that chance, and we just haven't yet. Um, second point that I would make. Uh, it is the case that life for people in much of the West Bank and even worse, uh, living under the, the thumb of Hamas in the Gaza Strip, but uh, even in the West Bank, life for them um, is not what it ought to be. Uh, when you see what President Trump tried to lay down, this vision for what uh, would look like, what this second state would look like, there would be uh, a security outcome that was good to preserve the Jewish state and, uh, and to preserve Israel. Um, but it created a real opportunity for economic opportunity, for freedom, for autonomy, for individual communities inside of the West Bank. And we've, we've worked to try and convince them that in good faith we want that for them. This administration wants that for them. In spite of the enormous support we've provided to Israel, we think that is consistent with preserving security for Israel as well. And yet we have not been able to make much progress. I, I hope in the next few weeks there will be some announcements about things we're going to be able to do to see how there will be uh, investment in the kinds of things you described, some roads, uh, telecommunications infrastructure in the West Bank, the kinds of things that we hope the Palestinian Authority would say, yes, we want that for the people that, that we govern. But it has, it has proven to be a very difficult nut for for us to crack. We, we want good things for the Palestinian people. Uh, we think that is, uh, that is compatible with our deep commitment to Israel and the Jewish state that is lodged there. One of the most enlightening questions asked of the secretary was from a first-generation American who's a pastor, whose parents grew up in a place where freedom was not present. And he asked the question, from your perspective, Mr. Secretary, what are some of the things that can be done to preserve this kind of liberty we want to promote internationally? What can we do to protect it here domestically at home? I, I never thought we would see the day where we would have elected officials uh, engage in uh, the kinds of things that you described Governor Newsom having done uh, with respect to worship. And we've seen the converse of this where uh, there were uh, non-religious events where there were lots of people, lots of health risk, and those seemed to be fine, while those of us who wanted to simply gather to worship, not just Christians, but people of many faiths, and we were told that this was uh, unacceptable and unlawful. You know, uh, you, you, you fix that by with moral clarity uh, and speaking to this. And uh, I've seen many pastors all across the country. I've gotten notes from them 
who uh, have taken very different tacks. Some of them have taken a tack that says we're going to do this, uh, we're going to meet, we're going to gather, uh, we're going to do so safely, we're going to take care of our flock. Uh, others who have taken different approaches. Uh, we all have a responsibility to speak about this. I know uh, I've been heartened to watch our Attorney General, Attorney General Bill Barr, talk about this very issue and indeed uh, take it on as squarely as the federal government can take on uh, this deep understanding that religious freedom is an absolute imperative, and it's an imperative in good times and times where nations are uh, under challenge like we are today from this virus that is out in places like California and Florida and indeed in my home state in Kansas too. Uh, I'm, I'm counting on faith leaders uh, to get this right. I, I'm confident that you all will do right by the Lord, right by the people that you are shepherding, and right to make sure that their health and safety concerns are taken care of, which includes their capacity uh, to worship in the way that they see fit. One other thing that comes to mind from what you had mentioned, and connect this back up to something Tony said earlier, when I, when I travel the world, um, I'll meet people. Sometimes I meet Americans who are overseas, and they'll question uh, the United States. Uh, boy, how can this be happening in the United States? How do you get this uh, so wrong? And they'll, they'll apply moral equivalency. I would ask each and every one of you, wherever you hear that, confront it full on. For all of the shortcomings that we may have here in the United States and for all of the challenges we face, there is no nation in the history of civilization that has ever striven so hard to protect these unalienable rights and has had so much capacity to create religious liberty amongst its own people. And we get chastised because the State Department because sometimes will will engage with nations that don't have that kind of freedom, those unalienable rights, and they'll say, boy, you should do more or you – you should say bad things about this country because they're engaged in that. And we'll have, we'll have other interests that are very important, and these are difficult questions. But there's no comparison to those nations that are trying to get it right every day and those who, like China, um, have no interest in getting it right and don't value human life. So if we get it wrong in the United States, that, that's, that's a lick on us, and we all need to strive to do better. But uh, we ought not ever let anyone ever uh, – challenged by suggesting that somehow we are no different than an Iran or a China or a Cuba, where the objective of government is to deny those very, those very sets of rights. Uh, we'll work to make ourselves better and more perfect. Uh, my responsibility is to try to make those nations people do the things that will give them the opportunity to make their countries more perfect, too. You've been listening to a special conversation with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and some pastors from across the country. When we come back, Travis Weber joins me. Don't go away. Could you use some timely and original commentary to read this summer, specifically on the issues facing our culture today? FRCblog.com has just what you're looking for. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts, members of the Family Research Council team, as well as outside contributors. You can learn about religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Check out this list of a few of our most recent titles. What Does It Mean to Be a Woman? D.C. Christians Take to the Streets to Sing, Lament, and Pray? and prayerfully responding to civil unrest. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you to live out your faith and stand for truth. Our blog helps you do just that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. 
On April 16th, President Trump and the White House Coronavirus Task Force announced a three-phase plan with guidelines for how states can begin scaling back restrictions. Churches should begin putting in place plans to reopen and operate their ministries according to the guidance of the Centers for Disease Control as state officials begin lifting orders. Here at Family Research Council, we have summarized the White House three-phase plan and how it relates to in-person church meetings and gatherings. Check out our resource, What Pastors should know about the White House plan to open up America again. Our resource offers practical guidelines for how churches and houses of worship can begin to operate safely as our country reopens. Visit frc.org slash church guidelines to view this resource and learn more. There you'll also find our full list of resources for churches in the time of coronavirus. Again, that's frc.org slash church guidelines. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So glad that you are with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to be on Twitter, it's at T. Perkins or Parlor, for that matter. Also, let me remind you uh, about the Stand Firm app. If you've not yet downloaded the Stand Firm app, it is a uh, tool to keep in your pocket that will help you in your defense of the republic. As I've said many, many times, our republic is not for spectators. It's for participants. And more than ever, your participation is needed. Um, despite the fact that uh, everything is kind of upside down in this uh, coronavirus world, uh, the stuff is still moving its way through Congress. You need to be informed and you need to be engaged. So either go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over or just go to the App Store and download the Stand Firm app. By the way, one of the benefits is you can also listen to Washington Watch no matter where you might be in the world via the app. So share it with your friends as well, especially those that may not have uh, one of the stations that airs Washington Watch uh, in their area. Again, the Stand Firm app. All right, we've been talking about, we've been uh, listening actually to a conversation that I hosted uh, the end of last week with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and pastors from across the nation uh, asking the, uh, the Secretary of State various questions as it pertained to uh, the draft report of the unalienable rights. Now, um, when it was announced a year ago, as we talked about, it was controversial, um, but yet the unveiling of this draft report has uh, prompted even more um, controversy. The, the left is unhinged. Why? And, and uh, you know, oftentimes we, we see this and we say, okay, I mean, it's just the left. It's just what they do. The media just attacks everything related to the Trump administration. But sometimes you need to step back and say, why? Why the visceral reaction? Well, joining me now to talk more about this and the importance of this report and what it seeks to accomplish is Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy here at the Family Research Council and our Government Affairs Division. Uh, Travis, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. I mean, it is instructive when we look at, you know, this uh, steady attack of the report. If it were not significant, uh, they'd just ignore it. But the fact that they are uh, giving so much ink to this and attacking it with such uh, aggression uh, validates the reason, I think, that the uh, Secretary of State embarked upon this effort. Tony, I do think the shrill nature of the response here uh, indicates that Secretary Pompeo is on to something. You know, what he's on to is reclaiming 
the meaning of human rights, reclaiming um, the noble origin of human rights. Um, the opponents of what he's trying to do are, are shrill precisely because uh, their pet project of manipulating and playing with human rights in the modern era, which has been allowed to continue unimpeded for many years, I'd argue decades, you know, is finally being noticed by, by someone like, like, like Secretary Pompeo, who, who they know, um, you know, is smart enough to, to realize that, to realize what they're up to. He's, he's smart enough to understand that, um, the manipulation of the modern human rights system for political and policy ends, as the opponents of Secretary Pompeo want to do, um, you know, is something that if, Attention is called to that, like Secretary Pompeo is doing in this report. That is going to start shedding light on the problems and abuses and the manipulation of the modern human rights framework, which it's a noble framework, but it is being manipulated and abused. There is abuse in the U.N. system. And I think, you know, what what the secretary is doing here is absolutely called for. It's absolutely something that all Americans should support. I mean, to to note the the origin of these rights in the unalienable rights framework of our own founding. I don't know why that's controversial. You know, it really is sad that it's controversial, but we need to continue to argue and articulate why this report is so needed. Well, in ground zero in this uh, attack on unalienable rights or this expansion dilution, of of rights has been at the State Department. I mean, that's been the really kind of an arm of the United Nations under previous administrations. Uh, this has been a hotbed of uh, of liberalism and this expansion of rights. And I think the point that the Secretary has made repeatedly is that when when everything is a right, nothing is a right. And and this is simply going back to the bedrock of these rights. And a part of this. I think that drives the left crazy is the recognition of even defining unalienable, that these are rights that are endowed by our creator. This calls for us to recognize that we did not make ourselves. We cannot define ourselves. We are created by God, and therefore we're given certain rights that government is to protect. They don't come from government. They come from God. And that whole concept of God, um, you know, it just, it sends the left these days. I mean, there's such an animosity against the recognition of God and transcendent truth that anything that appeals to God uh, automatically are uh, fighting words. Yeah, Tony, I think, um, you know, you look at some of the criticism of this, you know, the criticism itself exposes the weakness of arguments against this because uh, they, they have to admit that what Secretary Pompeo's commission did here in this report is, is simply lay out principles upon which we could uh, rally around the idea of human rights. The report doesn't, or, you know, d- d- dictate or, or um, adjudicate every possible dispute or issue that's going to arise as a, as a human rights question. It explicitly says we're trying to rediscover um, the linkage historically between human rights and our founding and some principles on which we could proceed. So why, why is that controversial? It should not be controversial. It really isn't. You know, they're trying to find controversy with it. Part of that is, is the reality that um, our rights are ultimately given to us by God in, in terms of God creating and, and, and being over in authority, all human beings. 
The report recognizes rights attached because of our humanity. This should not be controversial. It's the very basis on which we can agree that certain things are human rights. The whole problem we have now in today's era of, of international organizations, the United Nations and other international bodies, the whole problem, I should say one of the main problems with them, everyone offers their views. There's no common basis for determining or adjudicating these claims of human rights. And then the system is open to manipulation. This is why right. we withdrew from the Human Rights Council, why the council is overwhelmingly biased against Israel. It's just really in shambles. You had the commission per- preceding the UN Human Rights Council elect Muammar Gaddafi uh, to chair it. I mean, that alone should expose the bankrupt nature of this. Secretary Pompeo points this out. This should not be in dispute. This is what we need to tackle. Everyone in America should be in agreement that this is a problem. We need to tackle it. And Secretary Pompeo is trying to do that. Well, it was interesting that uh, Senator Markey of uh, Massachusetts um, took issue with Secretary uh, Pompeo uh, in the report. Uh, Ed Markey, he uh, he's a Democrat. He's in the United States Senate, and and I, I want to quote from him because it's it's all it's it's just I don't know it's I would say it would be humorous, but it's not. Uh, it's um, it's disturbing. Let me put it that way. I'm, I'm going to quote from his uh, his statement responding to the report. Quote, the rhetoric in Secretary Pompeo's speech and in this report is a reflection of administration that is cozied up to authoritarians. It goes on to list Putin, Erdogan, and so forth and so forth, who believe culture, not humanity, is what gives legitimacy to human rights. And then he goes on, Secretary Pompeo mimics that bigotry trying to reframe human rights standards as problems to be solved rather than bedrocks to be protected. That's the very thing that uh, this report is seeking to do is untether them to culture and take them back to unalienable rights, bedrock. And and what Malarkey or Markey (laughs) is saying is, is exactly the opposite. It is culture that is driving their understanding of rights as opposed to bedrock foundational transcendent truths upon which these rights are, are, are situated. Yeah, Tony, I mean, I think, I think it's obvious that uh, it looks like what he tried to do is put out a press release but didn't read the report. I mean, what, you know, everything in his release, and I, I read through the whole release here, is, is focusing on ideas or claims Rhetoric, we can use that term here in this press release, on issues that are not actually in the report. The report doesn't deal with it. It's mis- mischaracterized. But that's it. the so, way the left operates. They, they, they don't deal with the facts. They're, they're, they're trying to elicit emotion. They want to say that this is trying to deny certain special groups' rights. It, it, and it's not at all. It's right. recognition of fundamental human rights and the very basis for those rights so that they can be protected from generation to generation. Right. Tony, and, and what, how this can be defeated is people actually go and read the report. You actually go look at the report, just skim it, you know, if people don't have time to read through the whole thing, just get a sense of it. It's apparent that the report is nothing like what Senator Markey claims in his press release or others, like these Washington Post columnists and others try to claim. It's just pure spin, all these attacks on the report. The report lays out principles links human rights to our humanity and to the founding. It should be nothing controversial. The only, only controversial is if you don't actually like human rights and you're opposing this report, if you are China or, or some other dictatorship that, that doesn't like human rights. Otherwise, everyone should be, be in agreement on the principles that Secretary Pompeo lays out here as Americans providing us a way forward. 
uh, it's really not controversial at all. Okay, Travis Weber, we've uh, we've established the fact the left doesn't like this report, and 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 most likely, uh, most of them have not read the report, and so it's just the talking points that they usually throw out. Anything this administration is for, they are against. Anything that uh, makes reference to uh, to the Creator, to God, they're against. So, what should we take away from this as as Christians? In America, when we understand, you know, we just celebrated 244 years of our nation's uh, birth, um, these fundamental freedoms, we're, we're seeing them being attacked. We're seeing our history attacked. Uh, we, we are seeing an effort, I, I would say, that, that is unprecedented in terms of really a, a cultural revolution that's taking place. And if we lose our understanding of these fundamental bedrock rights and their origins, I think they could be lost altogether. And, and, and in fact, the republic could be lost. Tony, I agree. I think, you know, in terms of your question about what where to go from here, what to take away, I would say we need to persevere. We need to recall our, our own noble heritage that, that uh, Secretary Pompeo lays out for Christians out there. We need to recall the fact that the whole idea of human rights arose from a mixing of Christianity and the inheritance, spiritual inheritance of Christianity and Western civilization, the very idea of human dignity and application of rights that would protect individuals who are created in the image of God in the face of government power is a Christian idea. We need to ignore the haters, ignore the detractors, and setting our faces steadfastly ahead, persevere in carrying this idea forward for the sake of our own country. Which, Tony, let's recall back to World War II. United States intervention in that war turned the tide against a human rights violating regime. Right. Set in stage the creation set the stage for the creation of the United Nations, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which we had a hand in, in shaping, and the modern human rights framework that Secretary Pompeo is now trying to carry forward. So the United States and our exceptional place in the world as a human rights proponent is something that Christians in the United States need to embrace understand and carry forward for the sake of our own country and ignore the detractors, we need to proceed full steam ahead. Yeah, and as we discussed in the uh, the call with Secretary Pompeo and pastors that we just played uh, excerpts from to our, our listeners, we all have a, a part to play. We, we all must do something here. We can't just sit by because we cannot entrust Hollywood to protect these fundamental rights. We cannot expect the media to protect these fundamental rights. We cannot expect the institutions of higher learning that have been hijacked by the left to protect these rights. In fact, all of them are lining up against these unalienable rights. This means moms and dads, pastors and teachers and others are going to have to take on the responsibility of of teaching and understanding and the source of these unalienable rights. And, our, and I, I mean, all with that, obviously, is our entire history as a country. We have to rediscover that and take responsibility for passing it to the next generation. Tony, I would agree. And I think it could be as simple as a mom or dad talking to their children and saying, you know, kids, do, did you know that human rights is a Christian idea. Historically, it is something that emanated from Christianity, Christian principles. It's a noble heritage. Uh, this is something we need to understand and kind of delve into the education, um, you know, very simply exploring some of these realities, which are often forgotten. Um, you know, in, in the modern corruption of the idea, it's easy to cast this aside, but we need to reclaim the heritage that without but for a recognition 
of human beings being created in the image of God, which is a spiritual recognition from a, a reality that God made us in his image. This, you know, without that, we would not uh, give uh, heed to the idea that, that human beings have dignity and are to be protected in the face of arbitrary government power and abuse. This is the, the Christian origin of human rights. It's something we need to educate ourselves on in this country, pass that down to future generations so these rights can be protected for not only those here in the United States, Tony, but for everyone around the world. Absolutely. And uh, that's something we have to keep before us is that our promotion, protection, and exercise of these freedoms here at home and our understanding of them has consequences far beyond the borders of our country. As uh, the Secretary pointed out, America has been a, a beacon of hope and of light to people literally around the globe. And uh, we don't want that light. We don't want that hope to be distinguished in our generation. And it means we must rediscover and teach once again these fundamental unalienable rights given to us by our Creator, God. Uh, Travis Weber, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. And folks, by the way, I'll remind you, you can actually see a copy of the report. Go to TonyBerkins.com. It's up there on the website. All right, thanks so much for uh, joining us. So good to have you with us. Check out the website. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where it says you've done everything you can do, and you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. 